If you were not here last week, we started a new series called The Chase. That uh, first teaching is online, so you can go to revivechurchga.com and listen to it. But basically, I kind of prefaced the whole series saying, you know, we're calling this The Chase, but it's not because we're chasing after a God who's running from us. We, have, we serve a God that is on our side. He's actually running to us. You see it in the, the prodigal son, right, where the son returns home and the dad actually runs out to the son. There's this, there's this contrast, if you will, of the son pursuing the dad, but the dad running out to the son. And that's what this series is about. It's about us pursuing God as he pursues us. And, and we learned last week that it involves behavior, right? Like it involves what we call holiness. It involves saying, you know what, we do need to obey God and keep his commands. But it's not about the behavior. It's about the heart. And we look at kind of the contrast between King David, or not yet King David, but David and King Saul and the difference in their heart and the difference in their behaviors. And that what God is ultimately concerned with is the heart. And that this whole series on the chase is about the heart. It's about what happens uh, with our soul as we pursue God. And so this week, again, we're talking about the heart. The title of the message is The Courageous Heart. Last week we looked at a godly heart. This week is The Courageous Heart. And, and here's the thing. When it comes to courage and and the hero of the story, in our society, it's not often seen as something spiritual, right? If you've got somebody who is a spiritual person, they are not usually viewed as strong. It's almost like it's a weakness. But when we look at David's story today, I think we'll find kind of the opposite, that there's a strength that comes from spirituality. There's a strength that comes from pursuing God and being concerned with what happens there. So if you if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Samuel 17. Most of you probably know the, the bulk of this story. It is about a young shepherd boy with some rocks going against a big old guy named Goliath, right? We're looking at David and Goliath, the famous story of David and Goliath. And, and it, it's, it's one of those things that preaching on it is almost easy because there's so much out there about David and Goliath. And it's such a, a captivating story, but it's almost difficult because you've studied David and Goliath since you were a kid, right? Whether you were in church or not, people know David and Goliath. They know the young boy takes on the big bad giant. It, it, it's every story about the, the underdog in sports. It's every story about the little guy getting the win, right? It's all about this, this defeating the giant. And so what I want to do is I kind of want to unpack it and just say, hey, let's let this be fresh. Let's let this be new. Let's see what God is speaking to our heart through this story. And we're going to be almost going through this whole chapter in Samuel, but we're not going to read all of it. We're going to kind of paraphrase some of it. But we're going to be in 1 Samuel 17. And kind of giving you the beginning of it, you've got... The Philistine army, right? And the Philistine army is kind of like that gnat that won't go away. The Israelites, they, they've gone up against the Philistine army before. They've lost to them before. They've defeated them before. There's this back and forth. It's kind of like this, there's this thing that they just can't seem to get rid of, right? They can't seem to overcome it. They can't seem to get it and leave them alone. It just keeps coming up over and over and over again. That's the Philistine army, right? Earlier in, in the um, Israelites' history, you see that the Philistines come in and they they defeat the Israelites and they actually take the ark and they bring it back and they put it in the temple of their God. But the ark was supposed to be in the temple of, the, of God, the Israelites' God. And, and eventually there's plagues and everything and the ark ends up coming back. And it's just, it's like over and over again, every time the Israelites turn around, there are those pesky 
Philistines, again, just always <laughs> rising up, always getting in the way. And here we are. They're in the promised land. They're living their life. And here comes the Philistine army again to invade Judah. They're coming into Judah. And so the Israelites say, you know what? We're not going to let this happen. And they start running back at the Philistine army. And they kind of meet at this valley, right? And what happens is, in this valley up on one side of the hill, you've got the Philistine army, and they're kind of looking down. And on the other side of the valley up on the top of the hill, you've got the Israelite army, and they're looking down. And, and there's this point of saying, hey, <clears throat> if we run forward, we're doomed, right? They've got the advantage. They can see us coming. They'll have the upper hand, literally. There's no reason for us to go forward. It's, it's a death wish. So the Israelite army is not going any further. The Philistine army, same situation. If we go forward, we'll get defeated. They'll have the upper hand. They're not. So you basically have this stalemate. There's, there's this. They can't go forward. There's no moving on. They're just stuck. And while they're stuck in this position, out comes this giant of a man, right, approaching nine feet tall. And he, he starts to walk out. And he begins to yell and taunt and say, hey, saying all these evil things to the Israelites, all these evil things about their God. And he's basically, he's wanting them to, to send out a warrior to fight him. And say, hey, look, we're in this place. We're at this stalemate. You guys aren't going to come after us. We're not going to come after you. So pick your biggest, baddest man, send him out here, and let's fight to the death, winner take all. And that's what he's saying. If you, if I'll jump in in verse 4, and we'll read from there. And it says in verse 4, A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span. That's basically nine feet. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. And on his, basically, that's like having two toddlers on your shoulder, right? I mean, that's about how much it weighed. He had, verse 6, on his legs he wore bronze graves and a bronze javelin and slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, you know what a reaver's rod is? I don't either. We have no form of reference of what it is. Okay. I mean. <laughs> and it's an iron point weighed about 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted at the ranks of Israel, Why don't you come and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and, the, and all the Israel, so Saul and all, everybody, were dismayed and terrified. So you've got this man taunting Saul's army. Saul's the king. He's smaller than Goliath, but not much smaller, right? He's this warrior. He's been, he's been trained and formed, and you can go back and you can read Saul's kind of climb to the kingdom of being an anointed king, and, and he's got this record of being a good warrior, and, and even him and his entire army are dismayed and terrified at the shouts and the taunts of this Goliath. Now, why, why is this important to us? Why are we talking about it today? And I think the first observation is kind of one that's like a, I think we all get it, right? And that's the fact that we all still, giants are still on the land today, right? Like giants still exist. Maybe it's, maybe it's not a nine-foot guy that's scaring you to death, but it could be anxiety. It could be depression. It could be a broken relationship. Everyone has a Goliath in their life. 
And I think this is the, what makes this story so captivating to people because we know what it's like to, to feel the fear of a giant that keeps coming up. We know what it's like to have the, the Philistine army that we just can't seem to get over, whether, whether it's a, a temptation or anger or addiction or whatever it is, a, a thought that you just can't seem to shake. And it just keeps happening over and over and over again. And just when you think you finally overcome it and you finally got that victory, there it is again. And, and, and the Israelite army is not alone and, and having a giant ahead of them. We all know what it, we all experience. We know what it's like to have this enemy. To have this enemy that just keeps working over us, seeming to hold us down, seeming that we can't win, we can't, we can't move forward. But the truth is, we are not defeated. We don't have to live that way. It says that the, the Israelites, Saul and all the army, were dismayed and terrified. And we know what that feels like to be dismayed and terrified, but we don't have to be that way. Yeah, we all have an enemy. Yeah, we all have giants in our life. But the first point today is we have to see them through God's lens. We have to see them through God's lens. See, Goliath wasn't the problem. The problem was the fear that the Israelites had. And I don't know what you've got going on in your life, but there's oftentimes a giant in front of you. And I, don't, I, I can never tell you every little thing that's going on, but there's something in your life, maybe it's an opinion of yourself, whatever it is that seems to just always keep you down. What I want you to hear today is we already know the end of this story. We know that Goliath is going to fall. We know that he is not going to win. And you can know that you have victory today. We just have to learn to see it through God's lens. See, if you, if you keep reading the story, it says that David was in the fields with the sheep. See, he had brothers that were sent off to war, but David was too small. He was this little shepherd boy that stayed at home and watched his dad's flocks. But, you know, these big, bad men who were off in the Israelite army would get hungry, and they would need people to bring them food. So Jesse said, hey, David, why don't you go take a couple Happy Meals to your brothers off at war, right? <laughs> Packs his bag with some bread and some cheese and all this other stuff and sends them off to basically take a care package to his brothers. So David, this is when we see David kind of come on into the scene. And what we have to understand is that David is not showing up to fight. He's not showing up to say, I'm going in to beat Goliath. He's showing up as a servant. He's showing up to give the brothers the bread, give them their meal, and, and ask how they're doing. Jesse says, hey, see how they're doing, right? It's a, a worried father about his boys off at war. He says, ask how they're doing. So, so David shows up, and he begins asking how they're doing. And we'll see in verse, let me see where we're at. He shows up, and, and they're, they're all talking, right? They're talking, and they're saying, who's going to defeat this man? If, if, if somebody can beat Goliath, they'll get all these riches, and they, they start sharing all, these, all the perks that come from, from uh, defeating Goliath. And so David kind of overhears this, and he says, wait, 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 wait. What happens to the person that, that wins? In verse 26, it says, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes the, this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God? And they replied, hey, you know what? This, this will be done for the man who kills him. You'll be able to get riches. You'll be able to get the, the king's daughter. You'll be praised. You'll basically become a warrior king. We'll pick back up in verse 28. And he says that when Eleb, David's oldest brother, hears 
David asking these questions. So there's this picture, right? David walks on the scene. He says, okay, there's this giant out here yelling all these things about God, saying he's this evil man, about yelling these evil things about God's army, saying all these bad things, and, and you guys are just kind of standing around taking it. What happens if somebody beats him? And you can see his older brother, who's known David as this weak little shepherd boy his whole life, says he sees that the wheels turning. He's like, David, bro, chill out. I can see you're thinking about trying to take on this giant. Don't do it. Don't do it. And there's, a, there's several verses where they're actually you can see this brother-to-brother bickering, arguing, because David's like, why can't I do it? And, and uh, his brother's like, don't do it. You can't do it. You'll get defeated. And that's George's summary. But then we'll pick back up when Saul, Saul calls him back in in verse 32. I'm jumping all over the place. Stay with me. And David said to Saul, so Saul's called him in. He says, hey, how can you say these things? All right, you can't take them on. And David took him and says, Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Your servant will go and fight him. So the first point is that we have to see the enemy through God's lens, knowing that we know the end of the story, knowing that we are champions, knowing that we are going to be victorious because God has already defeated the battle. But here we have to see that we have to trust God's plan. Oftentimes when we see whatever the addiction is, whatever the giant is that's before us, we think, you know what? I'm going to beat it this time. I'm going to take it on. I'm going to fix this problem. I'm going to fix my kids. I'm going to fix this relationship. I'm going to fix this addiction. And we get all amped up and excited, and we're ready to take on. We're just ready to charge it. We're going to, we're going to stand on the opposite side of the hill, and we're going to run it, and we're going to take down Goliath all by ourselves. And we get pumped up, and we get excited. What you have to understand is when we look at this story, that David is not us. It's tempting for us to think that, because, and, and it's not... It's not bad to look at how David defeats Goliath and, and apply that to our life and see how we can overcome things. But in this story, what you've got to understand is, is that the whole Bible, the whole Bible is about Jesus. There's 66 books, but it's one story. From Genesis to Revelation, it's pointing to Jesus. When we look at this story, we, we say, okay, well, what, where is Jesus in this story? Obviously, he's not Goliath, right? Obviously, he's not the, the Israelites. So who is who is Jesus in this story? My guess is it's the young shepherd boy from Bethlehem. You see that picture? You see that? And in this moment, this young shepherd boy, the unlikely hero, the improbable champion, steps to us and says, don't lose heart. Your servant will defeat the giant. Listen to me. Stop trying to take on the giant by yourself. Listen to the Holy Spirit speaking to you this morning. Don't lose heart. Your servant will take down the giant. Jesus is saying, don't lose heart. This is what we talked about two weeks ago at Easter. Jesus came down. He defeated sin. He defeated whatever is in front of you. He defeated whatever it is, and he is fighting the battle on your behalf. God speaks to, to the Israelites when they're running from Exodus. He says, do not be afraid. And he takes down the whole army by himself with the water, right? So often we kind of put on all this armor. We do everything we can to try to take on whatever we're doing, and we're doing it all by ourselves. But we have to understand that we have to trust God's plan. And God's plan is that the enemy has already been defeated. We see it through God's lens because Jesus has already risen from the grave. We are victorious because of what he has done. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart because David David is representing Jesus in this story. We have already become victorious because of what Jesus has done. 
David and his brother have this argument. Saul calls David in. David says, don't lose heart. And then we kind of see this story to kind of turn at this point, right? We see this turn as, as David grabs, grabs his stones and begins to walk forward. And, and, and you can read in verse 38, it says that David begins to, Saul begins to dress David in his own tunic. He put on a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened, it, fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. He said, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off, and he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pouch, uh, put them in the pouch of his shepherd bag, with his sling in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. So you got this point where, where David comes in, and he's going to battle for the Israelite army. He go, he's going to battle, and he begins to approach Goliath. And you got to understand in this, at this point, in verse 41, we see that Goliath, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He, took, he looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome. So, so you see this picture, right? David is, or Goliath is the big ugly, right? He, he's like nine foot tall, and there's conditions, and you can kind of see that, that he's nine foot tall. He's this big monster. He cast, the very appearance of him casts fear in people, right? And then you've got David, who is this health and handsome, right? David represents <coughs> everything that Goliath hates. And Goliath sees this, this small puny little handsome boy coming at him and he becomes incensed he is so angry he is irate he begins to, to shout and, and he, he looks at David and he said am I a dog that you come at me with sticks and the Philistine cursed David by his gods come here he said and I will give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals and this is why we still read the old testament right like we're looking, this is some 300 type stuff, Game of Thrones stuff, right? <laughs> and David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. You see that picture? The Lord is the one doing the delivering. Not, we're not doing it on our own, but the Lord is delivering. He says he will deliver you into my hands. This very day I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel who's gathered, who's gathered here, and those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord serves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. So we see that the Lord is the one battling here. And we have to learn to trust his plan. And there's this picture here. There's this picture of David is at this point. He's at this point, and Goliath is coming at him with fear, coming at him with weapons, coming at him with intimidation, coming at him with all of these with spears and the size. Everything's coming at David. And David looks at him and says, I'm not fighting with weapons, but I am fighting with God. And then he begins to, so, so what he's doing is he's taking all of the glory of this moment. He's taking all of this, and he's, and he's, giving it to God. He's stepping out in God's power because he's trusted God's plan at this point. And so what I want you to hear today is that, that we're looking at David and he represents Jesus in this story, right? He represents Jesus in this story. And it's important that we know that our lives, we're supposed to model our character. 
after Jesus, right? So if we're looking at this story, David represents Jesus, then David should represent the way that we attack and the way we deal with whatever the giant is that's in our life. And the problem is we often stop at point two, right? We stop at point two. We see that, okay, we see God, we see the enemy through God's eyes. And he's big and he's bad, but he's not as big as God. And then we, we, we begin to trust God's plan, and we know that God's plan is not for me to fight alone, but that Jesus is fighting on my behalf, that the Holy Spirit is fighting on my behalf, that God is taking care of it. And at that point, we have a tendency to stop, right? Because that's where we feel good. My enemy does not have power over me because my God is bigger than he is. And that is an awesome truth, and that is empowering and encouraging. And we want to stop because now we feel good. But the problem is when we stop at the store because we're happy and we no longer feel scared, that we just become a spiritual addict trying to get that next high from being close to God. But there's a point in the story where David does go to battle. <coughs> and he steps out in God's power. So we have to understand that we're not just going to sit back and do nothing. But we have to go to battle. There is a responsibility in us saying, you know what, I'm not just going to... I'm gonna if the, if the temptation is a box of Oreos, I'm gonna to go to battle against this box of Oreos by getting them out of the house, right? There's this sense of saying I've got to attack this problem, whatever it is. If, if, if the relationship's falling apart, and, and I know that it's good for me, it's good for our family, for the relationship to work, then I'm gonna to go to counseling and I'm gonna get it figured out. Whatever it is, we attack the problem because we know that we have to know that we step out in God's power. And, and, and David does this by by turning and giving God the glory. You can read it in Psalms. He talks about how the, the stars give God praise. He, he, he's looking at Goliath, but he's got a galactic view of who God is because God is bigger than the stars and he's not intimidated by the enemy in front of him. And he's able to go to battle against it because of his view of God. And we have to learn that we have to trust God's plan. And we have to step out in God's power because he's behind us and we have the ability to battle. We're not defeated because we have God's power. We can go to verse 43 through 47. It says, that I am a dog and you come at me with sticks. He's taunting David. And David still goes forward giving God glory. See, it's not, it's not Saul's army that Goliath is going against, but it's against the Lord. And David's not going to have that. So the last point is, is that if we, are, if we are seeing the enemy through God's lens, we're trusting in God's plan, we step out in God's power, the last thing we have to do is we have to shout God's glory. Because that's what David does here. Before he's ever even taken down Goliath, he is singing the praises of God. I'm going to teach you a, a big word that we, it's not really a big word, but it's a word we talked about in school called the immutable glory. Immutable glory. So, so what does it mean to mute something? You guys can participate. Silence it, right? Some of you wish your spouse had a mute button. No, okay, yeah, I didn't say that out loud. All right, so to mute something is to silence it. So if it's immutable, what does that mean? It can't be silenced. So when we look at the Bible, it talks about God's immutable glory. Here's what I mean. It says that even if you do not praise God, the rocks will cry out his name. Even if you do not praise God, the streams will cry out his name. You cannot stop the praise of God. There's this point that we have this infinite creator who has created all of this creation, and that creation cries out to him no matter what. 
And when it comes time for us to come into battle, the way that we battle is not through getting out a sword. It's not through getting angry. It's not through powering through. The way that we go to battle is by praising the name of our Savior and crying out His glory. David said, look, I haven't even dropped Goliath yet, but my God is a great God, and He is fighting on our behalf, and you will fall. You will fall. Nobody here believes it. Nobody here thinks that the shepherd boy can take down the giant, but the giant will fall. We know the end of the story that God gets the glory and the way we go to battle is, is by shouting out God's praise. Listen, if you can't shut up God's glory, you might as well shout it out, right? This is why we talk about fixing your eyes on Jesus. Getting every day in the Word, getting every day in prayer, saying, you know what? It's not about the fact that I'm following all the rules and I'm checking off all the rules. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. But it's about getting in the presence of God, fixing our eyes on Him and saying, you know what? God, the VeggieTales song, God is bigger than the boogeyman, right? God is bigger than Goliath. God is bigger than whatever issues you've got going on in front of you. God is bigger than the depression and the anxiety. He's bigger than the broken relationship. He's bigger than the tough job. He's bigger than whatever it is that's going on before you. And we fix our eyes on Him and we say, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that I serve a God who is great, and if it's not good, he is not done. There's this image of, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? And they're about to get thrown into the furnace, and they say, you know what? Our God will not deliver us, or our God will deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we will still praise his name, right? There's this sense of, they've got this view of that fiery furnace that says, you know what? My God is so big that you can throw me in that, and I will survive, but if I don't, then I'm going to hang out with my big God, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. And there's this sense of saying, I am victorious no matter what happens. Even if life is hard right now, even if it doesn't seem like there's a way out, even if it kills me, I'm going home to be with my Father. And there's this infinite hope that allows us to get through the darkest times. Because, listen, in the darkest times, you know how we push through? We push through because of the hope that is Christ. We don't push through on our own power. We push through because of Christ. And in the darkest of times, the only thing that can keep us going forward is the light that is Jesus in our hearts. He is the one that transforms us. He is the one going to battle for us. We can step out in power and we can shout his glory. And the beautiful thing about this story, and, one of the, and this, is, this is kind of a, a neat new thing that when I was doing some research, it kind of popped out to me and I'd never read about it or seen it before. Another reason why I love commentaries because there's guys that have spent their whole life studying books and I can just read what they've learned, right? So, but I'm reading about it and there's this crazy picture here, right? The very thing that your enemy, that your enemy has that is scaring you is their weakness, right? Whatever it is, whatever the giant is in your life, the thing that hovers over you, that causes you the most anxiety, that causes you the most difficulty. That is the very thing that is its weakness. If we look at this story, we see that Goliath, he's looking at David as David begins to charge, right? And he says, what am I, a dog, that you come at me with two sticks? Or you come at me with sticks, right? He uses plural. But how many sticks did David have? He picked up his staff and some rocks, he had one staff. But David says, you come at, or Goliath says, you come at me with sticks. See, there's this, there's an actual condition that's been studied of, of people who never stop growing. They grow until the day they die. And that the tallest recorded human ever was eight feet tall. And that person had this disease, right? And so this person's eight feet tall. And one of the biggest symptoms besides the obvious growth of this disease is double vision. And so David is, or Goliath is sitting here and he sees David coming at him and he sees two sticks. 
So we know that his vision isn't great. There's a, there's a, as we were reading, we read about the shield bearer going before, right? A lot of times we kind of see, we see David as facing the giant. There's just the two of them, and they're kind of right in front of each other. But they're obviously a long distance apart, and the shield bearer goes in front of Goliath. Well, this is weird because a shield bearer is for people who are distant fighting, right? They're holding a shield so that if something is thrown, they can block it. Goliath was not a distance fighter. He was this big, bad, ugly, right? And so he would go in and he would hand-to-hand combat was his thing. So why would he have a shield bear? The shield bear was there to protect Goliath as he got close to the enemy because Goliath couldn't see. He couldn't see his stone being thrown at him. David has spent all this time in the, in the field protecting his sheep. He, 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 when he's having this argument with Saul and Saul saying, you can't do this. And he's saying, look, I've got a track record, right? Like I've defeated a bear. I've defeated a lion. And I, I've saved my sheep from these wild animals that tear and rip men apart. And, and, and David, they, they've actually done studies on this style of combat, of slinging these stones. And, and the stones have been known to reach speeds of that of a 45. So if you look at this battle, you think, man, David is going in with some rocks against this guy that's got armor and he's got a spear he's got a guy with a shield David doesn't stand a chance but if you give David a sidearm you say wow he he was victorious before it ever started right don't take a a, a knife to a gun battle right and David steps up he's had all this practice God has been preparing him in the field as he's watching sheep this goes back to last week where where he's he's in the field and though he doesn't know what's coming in the future he's faithful to God even in that moment and he has developed a way of with sniper precision of slinging these stones and David begins to, to, to walk towards Goliath, and Goliath begins to charge towards David. David takes the stone, and he throws it with his sling, and it hits David between the eyes, and David, <laughs> Goliath, and Goliath falls immediately. You have to see is that God was working from the very beginning. David, David was prepared. He was equipped. He was going to this battle already victorious because God had, had molded him and shaped him. And Goliath was already defeated. Now, the, the tempting thing is, and we hear this, it's like, okay, okay. Goliath is already defeated. My giant is already dead. I hear you saying that. But if my giant is already dead, then how come it seems to keep biting me? How come it keeps, seems to keep hurting me? Listen to me. Listen to me. When we try to do life on our own, even though something is dead, something is defeated, that doesn't mean it can't hurt you. Take the true story. There was a wasp flying around in our house this is probably last year Lauren hates wasps she's got stung one time and it's like that's the devil creature right and this wasp is flying around we don't want it to sting Eddie Lee and so I take my hat off and I hit it the wasp falls down it's dead right I even step on it it's dead so then I go to get a paper towel to pick it up and I go to pick up the wasp with the paper towel and it actually stings my finger through the paper towel even though it's dead the, the same thing with the, a snake. If you ever find a dead snake laying on the ground, right? If you accidentally step on the teeth of that snake, the venom can still poison you. Just because it's dead doesn't mean it doesn't bite. Just because it's dead doesn't mean it doesn't sting. I know that there's real things, there's real life. This is We're reading a story which is real, but, but in our life we, we often feel like, you know what, that doesn't apply to me. 
And I know that you're, it doesn't feel like your giant is defeated. And I know it feels like you haven't won, that you're not a conqueror. But this all goes back to Jesus dying on the cross. And you can live courageous. You can have a courageous heart when you surrender to God. That's where it starts. The way you defeat your enemy, the way you avoid being bitten from the dead enemy is by having a surrendered heart. Going back to last week, surrender to Jesus and pursuing him. And when we chase that holiness, we chase God, we chase him through surrendering our life to him and following him in obedience, our enemy is defeated and doesn't have victory over us. But we've got to take that step. We've got to take that initiative. We've got to have that surrender. We have to choose to give it to God and let him fight our battle. Let him take down the enemy and know that it's not just us sitting back, but it's us taking initiative, going into fight, and letting God be the warrior going before us. Do we trust God with our giant? Do we trust God with our enemy? Do we know that God has already defeated it? Are we living with a victorious life? David was walking around with the same swagger that we talked about with the angel on the stone, right? Like When God has already defeated the grave, we can know that we are champions because of who Jesus is. Let's boast in him, let's brag in him, and let's know that we can move forward no matter what it is. It doesn't have victory over us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have gone to battle for us. We thank you that our enemy is already defeated, that we know the end of the story. We ask now that as we leave this place, that whatever it is that seems to keep taunting us, Lord, that we know that it is already defeated and that we are champions. Let us do whatever we have to do to embrace your victory, to take the steps we need to take, to trust you. Give us the courageous heart. Give us what we need to go to battle. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.